Welcome to Homebase Hope, all about autism, the show that invites you to think differently, inspires you to take a whole child approach, and most of all, instills hope when it comes to your child and autism. I'm your host, Rhiannon Crisp, from homebasehope.com.au. Let's get into it. Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of Homebase Hope. Today we are talking to Jeremy Sampson, who is a 30-year-old personal trainer based in Victoria, working with people on the autism spectrum. He was diagnosed with autism at age six, and he describes his early intervention as being life-transforming for his journey. He is now fully independent in the community and almost unrecognizable. Jeremy uses his own life experiences to help others, and he's founded the program Time to Train, which is a fun exercise program using movement to help stimulate and motivate people on the autism spectrum. Welcome, Jeremy. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Rhiannon. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, absolutely awesome to have you on. We've had a few conversations before, and I just love your way of thinking and everything that you're doing. Um, let's get stuck into it. First of all, I like to find out a little bit about your story and your journey because I know people who are listening into this want to know what you were like as a child and then in contrast to how you think and process information today. Um, sure. And they want to be inspired. You know, they want to know what's possible. Um, there are a lot of parents who are going through the really tough stages and, you know, are going through the trenches at the moment and they feel lost yeah. and they feel helpless. Um, so if we can give them a bit of an injection of hope and go back to what childhood looked like for you and give us a bit of a snapshot of what life was like back in the day. Absolutely. Yes. Look, it was a, a very different time around it. And, uh, I think uh, for me, it first started uh, in around 1993, 1994. I was about five, six, and I first sort of picked up that there was something really different about the way that I processed or functioned. Um, I described it as a series of TVs in my head, and some were working, some uh, the picture wasn't quite right, but the TV down the very end, the antenna, uh, I described it as it being bent and my mother just said, that's all right, son, we just need to work on trying to straighten that antenna so that you get a clear picture. And for me, that's uh, the story of my life, just working really hard on myself through great support um, and working towards overcoming a lot of things that were really uh, impacting me in, in every area of, of my life from um, being very sensitive to environments I, I couldn't stand uh, certain sounds couldn't certainly understand uh, a lot of what people were saying and, and speaking um, listening was quite difficult from time to time my, my ear my hearing was tested but it uh, uh, I found that certain words I just could not pick up on um, had rituals and routines so I was very uh, um, yeah, definitely sort of OCD-like with certain things. Um, did not like change. So I, I, everything across the board. And a psychologist um, first thought it was perhaps ADD and then it was uh, re-diagnosed with having Asperger's syndrome. And, uh, look, childhood was really different. Um, I, saw, I saw a lot of things that um, I wouldn't, you know, encourage a lot of people to certainly go through but I, I saw a lot and I think the key to my success certainly was from observing and just watching you know in school it was studying body language studying how people were doing things I sort of describe myself as a bit of a human behavioral uh, therapist in that sense or an anthropologist um, it was just really watching everything that was going on and doing a lot of listening um, you know hearing people's voices and then I would ask a lot of questions. You know, I was asking, you know, what does this mean or why do people do this or think that way? You know, so I certainly just naturally was confident in, in approaching lots of different things that uh, uh, for me came back to, well, if, if this is helping, helping me to strengthen and straighten that antenna a little bit more so I can adapt and blend in a little bit better, fantastic. This is, this is what I'll just keep working on. Um, 
I had everything in my diet though changed, Rhiannon. It was uh, gluten-free, wheat-free, dairy-free, sugar-free diet, which I didn't necessarily like. It was like, why me? Why do I have to have all these changes? So many kids at school get to eat sugar this and sweet that. And here I am, I'd ask for something in the supermarket and my mother said, no, that's not for you. You're not ready for that. And I'd go, oh, this is not fair. Life's not fair. And oh, <laughs> I just don't want to be here anymore. And uh, it was really frustrating from time to time. To time. Um, I was on an exercise routine and that was doing about sort of 10, 15, 20 minutes per night. Um, that was a program that was largely focusing on um, vestibular training and coordination and cross pattern exercises getting a lot of left and right stimulation and doing this in the 90s i suppose Rhiannon, when there wasn't a great deal of um research or knowledge about um autism asperger's um my mother just saw though that it was working and then teachers at school saw that wow my behavior and focus concentration um, and all these sorts of things were just falling into line and, um, you know, saw a major improvement within probably three months of doing all this. So diet, exercise, um, yeah, look, difficulty with sleep, um, changing in routine. But these are all things that whilst um, were a struggle in the beginning, as time went on and just with continual ongoing practice and support and learning along the way, um, I just found it started to connect and gradually things got a lot easier. I got more confident in, you know, not just managing certain situations or environments wherever I was. Um, I just felt that, uh, you know, I could uh, progress myself, I suppose, to a, to another level. Um, and I just sort of always kept saying to myself, you know, uh, this is helping me to become more successful in life. I'm surviving the real world a lot easier. I'm no longer thinking suicidal or thinking things where I, I just uh, would disconnect or, or hide away. I'm now starting to feel like I can approach this or tackle that or ask a question here or learn that. And um, I think just through consistent repetition of, of that kind of approach and mindset with confidence and motivation, um, it's enabled me to get to where I am today, which is really functioning quite healthy, living a good quality life where, you know, not too many things really are, um, are a struggle. And now I've just really managed to put that all into a, a successful program and, and a good business in helping others. So that's, that's the crux of it. <laughs> amazing and do you know what i think your mother is amazing you know so forward thinking yes. like you said back yes. in the 90s yeah. looking into these quote-unquote alternative um yeah. options i suppose you know different yeah. things that we can look at in terms of a lifestyle approach and it is uh, you mm. said diet movement um did you do because you said early intervention was key to your journey and yeah. to where you are today. Did yes. you have any other input from any other professionals or? Well, I was seeing a psychologist every six weeks. That was back then. And that was to just update and test on things like my handwriting skills, spelling, um, learning to tell the time, these sorts of um, fundamental skills that are really important for most of us so that we can um, get by and, and uh, understand a, a little bit better. So from a learning and an academic perspective, um, I was getting those sorts of ongoing tests. So other kids at school go, oh, why does he get to leave school early? You know, why does he get to have the day off or whatever? But that was so important for back then my mother to take me out and she was always very much, well, I put my son first over any school. I put my son and his learning uh, first, and um, you know that was really important for me to, to have those visits where I was uh, getting a reality check of where I'm at, where I should be uh, aiming for, and, and meeting milestones, things like that, and um, going home with certainly a different uh, schedule or routine. To keep working on, and and of course she was doing a lot of things herself as well, from helping me to read, understand words. Um, you know, telling stories and um, helping me pick up on social cues and nonverbal cues, things like that. So, but again, you know, she is the reason why a lot of why I am a 
and how successful I am. It's it's because of of her motivation and her drive to ensure that I can I can achieve and pick up on anything as good as anyone else, and that the term Asperger's or the label absolutely um, is not going to um, you know define who I am. Uh, she helped me a lot with um, understanding social cues, nonverbal cues, uh, working with me to um, you know slowly break away from the traits of my condition and diagnosis being Asperger's, but also understanding you know my strengths of having this condition as well. So it was really sometimes a really positive thing. Other times it was very quite frustrating. And, um, you know, she was very determined to ensure that I, I um, pick up on as much information um, as possible about um, not just always from my perspective but from everyone else's perspective and uh, to ensure that I don't, um, I don't cut myself um, away from society only thinking it should be all about me but, in fact, it it's got to be a two-way street, so and that was crucial to becoming more successful in uh, a more social environment, I suppose. And um, I think she was just back then unconsciously just teaching the, the social uh, toolkit, if you will, and providing me with all those um, uh, all those steps. Yeah. Mm. And what did your teen years look like? So teen years were, uh, I, I think, um, relatively okay. Uh, I, I certainly knew when there were situations where I wasn't clicking or quite understanding perhaps what was going on, um, whether I was putting that down to it's my condition or it's just myself. Um, I always certainly walked away thinking like, okay, that's something I didn't pick up on or I'm not quite understanding things like that. So I need to get working on why that is and how can I make that easier and better. And thankfully, you know, I had friends in school that were, you know, very supportive and uh, I could I could turn to and, and have good conversation and chats with and uh, that made it a lot easier. I was certainly, uh, like, like any teen, going through the ups and downs. Um, when it came to certainly exploring the whole dating side, uh, yep, yeah, that was a bit tricky at first, you know, not being able to pick up on, you know, someone flirting or um, when someone was perhaps expressing that they weren't interested. So little cues like that. Um, but, you know, that was all fascinating for me to want to to master those skills so that I could understand and be more intuitive in then uh, um, being aware so that next time, ah, right, I got, got it. And uh, I could either... Um, move one direction or move another direction. And I think that's so important as well because we do live in a society that is largely dominated by perhaps more neurotypical. Um, and, uh, you know, we're, we're doing our very best here to help um, support these individuals who, who do miss some of those social cues. And I think it's a, a human right to also to certainly teach this, these are you know these skills from an awareness perspective, so that they are not falling into the cracks and finding um, you, know, you know more frustration or um, anger issues or heightened anxiety or feeling uh, silly or stupid within themselves. I really want to you know teach and educate in these in these sorts of areas of their life, so that they uh, just step right over the crack, I suppose, and have a bit more. Uh, conscious awareness and have more success in going, ah, I get it, you are interested and great, or ah, I'm seeing and picking up on the things that uh, indicate you're not so, and I get it, I'm boring you, or whatever it may be. Um, so it was interesting, I was just having a, a chat earlier with a, uh, a colleague and talking about social construct and uh, that versus you know social acceptance. Well, I think I've always been pretty real about educating the balance some things uh you've got to have other things uh we do we do need to just accept there are individuals on this uh autism spectrum or uh spectrum uh Rhiannon, that uh, uh they, they may just not um neurologically be able to pick up on or um they, they just cannot process um and so it's like what do we do next what can we what can we do to support 
this individual in other areas. Um, so I'm just finding it quite fascinating looking at my own personal journey and particularly teenage years. Um, the things that I absolutely just could not pick up on, um, I can now um, I can now pick up on quite well. And if I if I if, if someone like me can do that, then I'm a, I'm a positive, optimistic person that I think certainly everyone has capacity to improve and uh, and build some sort of step. Um, and those that cannot, um, then maybe that there's a reason behind that and uh, it may be just something that could be improved upon at a later date, uh, at a later time, I suppose. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think you have had such an incredible insight and self-awareness to be able to be picking up on the things that were challenging for you. You didn't have to have that external support to say, you're not picking up on this. Um, yeah. What would you say to the parents who find their child isn't as self-aware and isn't as insightful in those situations? What what would help them? I think, um, you know, going keeping this very real and, and as personal, um, my mother absolutely, you know, I had great conversations with and communicated a lot of the struggles and challenges that I was uh, getting myself into. And I think through her own life experience and wisdom, um, and sharing a lot of that with me um, in a comfortable setting at home enabled me to not only listen to from her perspective, but then to, for me to then open up and share exactly what I'm doing so that then she was able to give me, you know, better insight and strategies to help me next time. As well as I do encourage parents to recognise that, you know, trying to improve social awareness or social skills is kind of like riding the bike, you know, and parents, I encourage, um, let your kid make mistakes, let your kid get it wrong, uh, maybe even horribly wrong, um, and monitor that and, and definitely um, always be there to support and um, positively reinforce that, okay, well, all right, yep, you, you, you certainly did put your foot in your mouth that time and you didn't get it right and, uh, oh, yeah, I can see why that's left you now in, um, in quite a predicament here. Um, so looking at positives and supporting and working through negatives um, and I think always aiming to just next time uh, minimalise and, and you know, improve a bit more so that we're not making those frequent mistakes as we once were, say, three, four, five months ago. It's the same social setting or the same experience happening again the outcome is much more positive. Ah, we're not offending people or we are understanding a lot more now um, the social cues right down to body language and these sorts of things. So we're empowering through life's journey, which is some things you'll get things right and spot on and other things you'll get horribly wrong, um, but there's always something to learn and take away from. So I just think keep it simple, parents. Just um, praise and be positive when your child is getting it right, um, but also make sure that you're there to support positively uh, learning and growth when they get it wrong. Mm. And mum sounds like such an integral part of your development and I, I honestly believe that home is where the magic happens. You know, you can go to therapy once a week or you can do all these special programs and different things, but unless the strategies and the ideas and those things that you learn in training or in um, therapy are brought into the home environment and they're... Um, use daily you know they're woven throughout the fabric of their daily life then you're not going to see as much change you know it's it yeah. can't be once a week you know it's got to be every day those small little changes so absolutely yeah. absolutely so look you know i know that they uh i know uh um research suggests 20 hours a week therapy as a minimum um i i think absolutely it's just got to be an ongoing thing uh, we can see sometimes too much of where parents absolutely are over the top and doing uh, too much where it's, um, you know, can be a hindrance or harmful to their loved one as well. And, and sometimes, particularly with little ones, uh, I'm saying to parents, look, um, your instructions and your approach uh, is is pretty good. Um, but if 
we're giving too many, um, too much instruction and too much language happening, um, it, it, it absolutely can almost have an adverse re- reaction as well. And so what we want is I'm helping certain parents to just maybe pull back a little bit there, um, depending on age, of course, but we know like with um, seeing great result with the teenagers where they might be unloading and venting about how mum and dad are uh, far too much on their back about things and they just want a break where I may then have to, um, you know, just have a bit of a chat and discussion with mum or dad to say, look, yeah, we're of an age where we do need to just learn to have a go at doing these things um, without you guys being the training wheels, mum and dad. Just let him let him have a go tackling that, riding that bike, you know, the, on his own for a bit. And uh, if he falls, he falls. But, you know, that's it. That's where you come in and you help support uh, at a later date. So sometimes less is more. Um, uh, too much not ideal. So I think when it comes to doing assessments and things like that with my students, Brandon, it's just, uh, yeah, trying to get that, that balanced approach where we're doing not too much but not, uh, not enough as well. We want to try and find something that's ideal. Balance, as we know, is, is key. If we want to ride the bike, we have to be balanced. So have a balanced mindset, have a balanced approach towards things. And uh, the, parenting, the parenting approach, uh, we've got to try to get a little bit more of a balance there. So, and that's hard for some parents. They really do everything because they love their kids so much and they've got great intention and uh, they just want their kid to achieve. And it's like, yeah, the best way for them to achieve is to just keep getting it wrong or make a mistake. That's it. But they're getting experienced that way. And society um, can be helpful in um, delivering that reality check, with leaving that individual going home going, yeah, I got it wrong, blah, 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 blah. It's like, all right, no worries. We work on that and then we try again. That's it. Because then when society starts to recognise that, you're improving and you're growing or you're maturing or getting things a lot a lot easier and, and a lot better, it makes that journey into then adapting and fitting in with the whole society much easier as well. And I, I just know that from my own personal experience as well. And, and that's credit to, to my mum in saying, you know, you're not you're not restricted by your condition and you're not uh, you don't have to just socialize only with just one group or one person. You there's you've got the whole community in the whole world of people. So there should be no limitations. Mm. Sounds yeah. like I need to get your mum on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> she would be uh, open to it, I think, Rhiannon, but uh, the trouble is you'd never get her off. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but we're trying to get on a, get her to write a book one day for sure. I, I, uh, I've said to her numerous times, write the book, mum. Just get the book together and uh, parents want to read that because it's coming to here. It comes yeah. from here, which you can't beat, you know. No, so, absolutely. Yeah. And I totally agree in terms of the small steps. You can't yeah. go full throttle with everything. Correct. There's so many different yeah. um, things that you can be doing at home, like in terms of, like yeah. you said, movement, um, diet, I mean, the therapies. It's just all too overwhelming. It becomes taxing and you, you stop everything and then nothing yeah. becomes yeah, mm. I, I think as well a lot of this, particularly like with trauma, fear, anxiety, which I've experienced all that right down to, like I say, got so bad on and off in my growing up years of, of life where uh, I just felt like I'm a burden on society. I don't think I even really feel like I want to be here anymore because I'm just feeling so targeted and I must be just walking, uh, walking, getting it wrong, you know, just walking piece of wrong all the time. And I just, you know, used to think like, you know, uh, uh, how do I turn this around from feeling this way and thinking this way to the the opposite? Because there are people out there, and this is going back into my uh, in my uh, earlier years. I used to just study those that were getting it so right, and I thought if if there are people in there in this world that can live and breathe and function and think and and everything's going so right for for them. Why can't I get that? Because I'm feeling the opposite and thinking the opposite. So I just need to take the steps in my life that get me a little bit closer to that kind of way of thinking and functioning and being, I suppose, you know, that more easier life. Mm. Now, it's interesting because most of these guys on the spectrum, 
have a unique, brilliant mind of, of, of finding ways to cut corners or revolutionize things to make it more accommodating and easier for themselves, which is brilliant. And I just think, well, um, you know, I take a quote from Albert Einstein, learn the game and then learn to play the game better. And I do agree with um, Tony Atwood, the clinical psychologist, when he says that perhaps Asperger's, people with Asperger's, could be the next evolved version of a neurotypical. I think that some individuals, I'd put myself as one, whereby we've achieved so much success in life through, through you know, ups and downs, but particularly getting through those downs. It's like now I feel on the same level with neurotypicals that I can now see their mistakes and I can help support neurotypicals in the things that they're getting wrong um, or maybe struggling with, should I say, things like your anxiety or your depression and psychological uh, mental health disorders and things. And it's interesting because I go back to then using my strategies that help me to support and conquer, you know, to means to manage, conquer, you know, difficult, rigid traits of, of Asperger's to help me improve my mental health and well-being. I adopt a, of approach of, maybe implementing some some of those strategies in helping neurotypical individuals who just may be struggling psychologically and um, and finding that that that's just changing their uh, their overall approach towards life and, and living in such a positive way as well so I think I think Asperger's um, has so much strength and um, a lot of talent and gift and there's so much positivity about it um, if absolutely the individual has also used the positive to balance out and strengthen the, uh, the, the, weaker, the weaker areas, I suppose. And I think that overall that, that is possible in, um, in, in for a lot, but it is trying to tackle the anxiety and the fears and the, uh, the lack of self-acceptance and all these sorts of areas. But once we start to... Um, turn those areas around to something more positive, then we've got a, a, a totally different approach towards um, seeing and, and thinking about things. And I think all, all of this is just trying to rethink the way that we, uh, the way that we do function and, and operate. Um, it's not changing, but it is trying to have a bit more open-minded to a rethink, definitely. Absolutely. What would you say your biggest challenges have been? And if I'd like, if we could go back sort of in time a little bit to what yep. your challenges were, you know, 10, 20 years ago to what yeah. they are now, what, yep. what, are we, what are the challenges that you're facing? Well, I think a big challenge for me was always trying to understand. Um, that, that was definitely a key area that I certainly struggled with was trying to understand um, people and um, why they did the things they did or uh, why they would even have like conversation or the things that they were saying and, and the meaning. And so if I didn't understand maybe certain words that they were using in, in conversation or in just, in just talk, talking, um, I absolutely was, I was gone. And so, yeah, growing up, um, it was just easier just to not socialise because I thought and feared yeah, if they're going to talk to me and then they use a word or two or a sentence or whatever and I don't understand the meaning of that word or that sentence, then the whole thing makes no sense to me and then, you know, I feel stupid, silly, I'm, I'm highly anxious, I'm in fear of saying something that has no relevance to what they're saying or no connection. So I think understanding... For me personally, going back, you know, yeah, 15, 20 years um, was, I think, the major bent part of my antenna in my head as a, as a kid. It was a lack of understanding or a lack of comprehend, comprehending things. And look, even today as an adult, I'm no intellect or academic. I'm, you know, someone that uh, I'm more practical and hands-on. Um, so, but my difference is if, if someone's talking to me and using words that I don't understand, I just simply ask, what do you mean? Or could you rephrase that? Or, you know, and I'm confident in, in my approach, 
um, that way with with people, and um, I don't even need to re- you know reveal that oh it's because I have Asperger's or I have this diagnosis that that's why. Um, I don't think that way. I just think um, no. Look, it's either something I understand and pick up, or it's something I don't. And if I don't, then I want to pick up on. And then once I do pick up on it, great, makes it a hell of a lot easier. And then if you know it's a word or something, I I train myself to then perhaps be a lot more uh, aware next time that if I hear that word, I know its meaning, and I may even then be able to use that 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 uh, that word. So that comes down to language, and that for me personally was something of a, a major hurdle growing up. That's far far less of a hurdle now, and I'm I'm thrilled that most people I speak with and connect with and communicate, I. Uh, I, I thankfully understand and can have a, a great um, connecting conversation with uh, where most of the time I'm on the same path and I do understand and pick up. So thank goodness for that. Mm, that's a win. <laughs> yeah, it's a big win, huge yeah. win. Yeah, nothing worse, I think, Rhiannon, than uh, uh, to articulate or to speak and to have a voice but uh, then when trying to listen to others and you've got no understanding of what's being spoken to or spoken at you and you've got no comprehension skill or understanding or meaning, then that would just be like living in a world where you're completely lost. Mm. And that, that's where information's going in and going out and totally stopping you from taking any kind of step towards um, achieving you know, successful skills in life. Yeah, so I think understanding is a big part. Yeah. Mm, absolutely, because it opens up the doors too to, like you said, that yep. embarrassment. Um, oh, it tackles so much of that, yeah. Mm. Did you see a speech pathologist at any point? No, I didn't see a speech pathologist, but I certainly just, I did have like drama uh, lessons growing up and stuff to certainly uh, enable me to articulate or pronounce words a lot better and stuff and through relaxing the mouth and the voice and uh, that was a, a more holistic, fun approach, and that was also great for me to build more confidence and social skills and allow me to express my creativity and, you know, um, individual individualism uh, in me, I suppose. I uh, uh, found that was a great tool. Um, mm. But, again, you know, speech therapy for some is going to be fantastic and for others it's going to be a completely different thing but mm. if we can get some words and we can get some language and we can get some understanding and we can get some better articulation or pronunciation and just building you know language as a whole palette uh i, I think that's a huge door huge mm. door to success yeah definitely awesome. let's start talking about the program that you've created which is time yes. to train um First of all, I want to know, have you always been excited by exercise and movement or were you more sedentary and sort of glued to even TV screens and that back in the day? How did you start this? Because I know you said earlier Mm. you started a program when you were a child doing movement and vestibular activities. So you can talk about how you got this idea, what inspired you to create Time to Train and your transition to it. Yeah, well, look, I was like any other kid on the uh, autism spectrum that loves their games. I, too, loved games, playing them nonstop, got heavily uh, addicted to them and things like that, and it was very hard to take me away. So I had to learn the hard way that if I spent way too much time that there were consequences. So definitely a big-time gamer once upon a time. Uh, Definitely didn't want to do anything hard or challenging or exercise or movement for that matter. As I say, when it came to like diet, even having food touching was a real challenge for me. So, uh, and certain foods, even just looking at before even trying and tasting, definitely not. So, it was a real struggle. It was a real challenge to really go from someone that had those kinds of challenges and difficulties to now where I'm at today. I think the turning point, and I've said this before in, in uh, presentations um, at conferences and things on that personal journey was you know, losing my father at age 10. A huge change there where my father died and was no longer living and uh, with us. Uh, and, and at such an early age as well, he was only 50. That for me was like the wake-up call to, wow, got to look after your health, got to look after your fitness and your well-being because if you keep saying no to the doctors and all the experts that are trying to support and help you on the right path, 
you keep going the opposite way, life could then just be cut short for you, possibly. And so for me, it was always, I need to try and stay healthy. I want to be coordinated, balanced. I want to live a lifestyle where I'm not going to make the poor choices that I saw in someone like my father and um, potentially wind up um, living a life where um, I'm unhealthy, it's very difficult, and I um, don't, don't feel happy or confident within myself. So um, it was quite easy from age 10 to just see uh, that kind of picture um, for, yeah, taking the steps towards um, staying healthy and fit and confident and reaping the rewards of the success of those things um, as, as the time went on. And that led to then, obviously, yes, at an early age, uh, 18, I studied um, personal training, fitness instructing. I enjoyed it. I uh, not only felt the benefits physically from actual exercise, um, from physical, emotional, mental perspective, but also, um, you know, it was a no-brainer then come later on at age 21 uh, when it was putting the program that I was once doing as a child and putting it all together but revolutionising it to make it something a lot more meaningful rather than clinical or medical. I wanted to go with something that was fun, really interactive, that was connecting, engaging, something that had real purpose and obviously, you know, something that was going to create motivation towards a much better healthier lifestyle um, in more ways than one. And I really thoroughly enjoyed um, trialling out, putting the exercises that I was doing uh, into, into fun game-like activities and, and, uh, and implementing different things to make that, that one activity that seemed so boring in the 90s uh, a lot more enjoyable. And, and that's where I think um, I've been very successful there to, to keep the program running now for just over 10 years um, is because um, the way I approach and facilitate those sessions to make them so enjoyable and fun for the individual has been critical to its success. Mm, amazing. That's it. That's, it. That's it. And it works too, like not just from a scientific perspective. We know exercise and um, movement is, is crucial for us all, um, but to keep it very positive to keep it really an enjoyable experience that makes you want to return and come back to. So uh, I'm not trying to be a doctor where it's you're my patient, come and see me, you have problems, where that's where a lot of therapists and specialists get it horribly wrong. It's, no, you're coming to see me, I'm like your, like your friend or your uh, older brother or whoever, someone a bit more understanding using my lived experience as a, as a real advantage there. Um, but then making those activities or making those sessions um, really give and take where it's not just do everything that I've set up for you and you're going to do that, but uh, let me invite me into your world and let's see what you're doing and let's see what you would like to uh, perhaps uh, show me as well. So it's a real building a positive connection and relationship or, and a friendship as well on a yeah personal and professional level as well, which you know leaves these... Most of my students all walking away going, oh, I really you know, enjoyed seeing Jeremy and I can't wait to come back and show off this exercise or talk about you know, what I've got you know, happening in my life uh, next week. So that's really positive to see that they're you know, building such a much more inner confidence within themselves. Yeah. Mm, yeah, it sounds like a really empowering program because like you said, it's not yeah. set out. They can have, you know, um, use some of their initiative and creativity to design the program, you know, around exactly. what their needs are. Yeah, exactly. Um, we, we, we go from a structure to, you know, that can be uh, very imaginative, very creative. And uh, as long as I'm seeing them participate, attempt and try different things within that environment that I have available for them, uh, that's brilliant. That's where the magic happens and that's why the, the results, uh, you know, there and the testimonials have been fantastic today. Mm. Yeah. I know the program is based around the concept of neuroplasticity. Can, yes. we, can yes. we dive into that? Absolutely, yes. What would you like to know? Where do we start? <laughs> Where do we start? Yeah. Well, first of all, yeah. just a bit of background. What is neuroplasticity and how how is that woven into your program? 
Yeah, so I guess, you know, keeping it nice and easy for, for people to understand. So just doing something repetitively over and over and over until it basically sort of becomes the new, the new norm, I suppose. So we've got like billions of pathways in our brain. We know that scientifically. And I suppose for these guys, some of those connections are, are working better than others. And really my program with like, like a lot of um, different um, um, approaches out there, we're just trying to get the, the stimulation and activity that's happening in the brain to really build and strengthen um, existing current pathways as well as developing and creating new ones so that we're just getting a lot more signal as we know, if we can get more signals happening and stuff in, in the right way, I suppose, in a more appropriate way, um, it leads to, you know, like I said, that key word, understanding. We're getting a lot more understanding of within ourselves as well as understanding things around us, which makes then, you know, um, uh, adapting and, and, and building better connections with, um, with other people or, and as well as ourselves a hell of a lot of a much more enjoyable, easier process. But neuroplasticity... Um, yeah, look, it, it's 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 procedural memory doing something over until you've remembered how to do that. So I get some students they struggle to perhaps catch a ball from a certain distance, um, and uh, you know, practicing repetition or modifying the exercise until we're starting to see a lot more control and um, confidence within that individual, and then going back to. Um, doing that exercise as it was first set out, um, oh, my goodness, they can now catch from a much further distance, um, whereas if in the first place they would struggle, really struggle to uh, catch that ball for various reasons such as, you know, a fear of the ball hitting them in the face or a, a fear of dropping the ball and all these sorts of things um, to now, well, their eyes are making good contact with the ball, they are focused, They've got much more strength in their body and their arms, their hands, their fingers, so large to fine motor skill work, and but a much better positive self-belief of I've got this, I can catch the ball. And um, it's truly amazing when you just see a child who could not do something at all to now they're, they can. They can do it, they can master it, and then away we go doing um, more and more things. And that whole concept of neuroplasticity is so important for improving optimal functioning towards better health and well-being so that their over, their life and their quality of life is much more of a positive experience and they can now survive and uh, enjoy life a hell of a lot more. So that's it. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Keeping it simple. Yeah. <laughs> um, and movement, you know, it's food for the brain. This is, it is. Know, giving movement food for the brain. And it's not even just exercises. Like it could be just um, any sort of new movement pattern that is yeah. novel to the brain and then learning something that is new that you're doing in these sessions is going to strengthen neural connections. It's going to make new neural connections and yeah. that's not only going to help with, you know, like you said, just catching a ball. You're going to see flow-on effects in other areas of their lives. Yes, absolutely. I'd, I'd love to know, I mean, obviously your the changes that you were probably expecting to see, you know, were balance, coordination, yep. motor movement patterns. What were yep. some of the unexpected changes that you've seen in some of your clients? Unexpected changes. Um, definitely seeing for some a real, a real change in, yes, overall attitude, being a lot more, I suppose, not that they weren't, lacking or struggling with empathy beforehand, but just having a lot more uh, of an open view of other people's perspectives, starting to ask more questions um, about themselves and, and the way they work. So just a lot more openness for a lot that I see. Um, and I guess in the, in the beginning, yes, not knowing too much of what I was doing in, when I was growing up and putting this program together, um, yes, I was just expecting to get, you know, confidence and a, a bit more social skill, a bit more connection and feeling a bit more stronger and coordination and balance, those sorts of things. But over the journey, I've learned through seeing so many students seven days a week and putting them through this program, all of those other changes in emotions and changes in growth and maturity and, you know, more awareness and, um, you know, even developing a greater sense of humour, we can enjoy more, we can laugh, you know. And so all of these 
things that, you know, to someone who may be not on the spectrum that they have naturally, I'm, you know, seeing so much more of those things as well. And now that's something I, I am wanting to expect to see. So I've gone from looking at it as, wow, these are some real unexpected things. But now I was seeing so much more consistency in those changes. It's like, wow, that's, that's now what I really do want to see happening for these individuals because they deserve it. They deserve the right to have the feelings of, of knowing what it's like, you know, to be aware or to understand or to connect more and to have, you know, a much more broader understanding of everything that's going on in the world rather than just have excellent understanding in, in only one area of life or only a exceptional understanding of themselves but very little in other things it's like we need to you know we need to really um you know support the the uh the the, the reality of 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 how life and you know the balance um so that's probably i think it for now um maybe um you know some question if whether or not they're on the spectrum in the first place and may um, want to go back and, and see if, you know, there's a different diagnosis now. So, yeah, just attitude in some of these individuals, you know, can be um, of, a, of a much more positive change as well. So mm. that's, that's fantastic to see, yeah. And I'm sure even kids with anxieties, um, even sensory issues, like you said, social, mm. you, you know, yeah. because we are working with the brain, you know, it's not just, you know, we, we can't think of it as just like a motor, um, you know, muscular thing that you're That's working right. on in terms of exercise. Yeah. We've got to think of it as, you know, how is that shaping the brain? What's, what architecture yeah. is being remodeled in there and how yeah. is that going to have that? So, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, exactly. I see it like uh, as, as definitely... Uh, uh, some experts out there, you know, liken it to to that of the tree, which I think is um, a pretty spot on analogy. Like, you know, it's how many branches uh, do you want to grow? You you may already have a very good tree, but maybe just parts of that tree there are, are, are a little uh, a little less uh, mature and stuff. And it's it's all there. I've always believed that you know, particularly those with more higher functioning or Asperger's syndrome, it's like. If your tree is there, it's, it's unique, it's fantastic, and you do very well here and not so well there. But capacity and capability to certainly grow the areas where it's not so good um, can be can be supported if you if you want that. And I think it comes down to the choice of the individual if they do, which is why I say, well, um, I think you do because you're talking about how frustrating this is or how irritating or, or how you're, you're not understanding that. So we can turn irritating into you can be inspired and annoying can be, you know, awesome and, you know, disconnecting can be connecting and turning negatives into positives and that leading to, you know, that individual coming to me later, uh, you know, months and months later saying, yeah, like I'm now, I'm now getting the whole picture as opposed to only parts of the picture. That's so pleasing and uh, it's because we're just growing those pathways, growing the tree until it is um, it is a whole it is a whole yeah mm. as well as it's still got its unique unique self definitely it's still its unique design from within for sure so these guys with Asperger's um, certainly I I, I, I always um, encourage them to you know remember that their their strengths because of their um, diagnosis is important you know you've got you've got certain um, unique ways of looking at things which others cannot see, and that's fantastic. So I want that to still be there, that that original blueprint. I want that to be there, but let's add more brilliance to your blueprint to make an incredible blueprint, something that's out there that's more remarkable than the general blueprint of being neurotypical. Let's mm. let's make you something of um, real, true, high potential, yeah. Mm. Go for the extraordinary. Go for the extraordinary, yeah, exactly, which, you know, these guys already are extraordinary but only in certain set ways, I suppose. Mm. It's like let's just broaden your extraordinariness <laughs> right across the 
right across the board there because uh, without these guys, Rhiannon, we wouldn't have some of the remarkable, wonderful inventions or things that we've got to this very day. And most of the, we see, we are seeing that pattern of someone extraordinary in whatever industry that's doing incredible, quite possibly are on the spectrum or have a, uh, an underlying of Asperger's syndrome, that very extraordinary way of functioning. Thinking, yeah, Thinking, absolutely. yeah, that's yeah. right, exactly. Let's, was there anything else you wanted to touch on before we head to the five rapid fire questions in terms of your time to train? Well, um, I guess the, the thing about it is, uh, you know, like in my mission statement where I'm talking about the, uh, the importance of, of the program um, helping improve the value of someone, a lot of people over the, to- over the years have certainly questioned that mission statement, questioned even my whole program as being something of a, of a cure type nature. And I really just want to continually express the importance of I'm not trying to cure, I'm not trying to, uh, you know, um, I'm not providing an antidote or anything. This is nothing more than just a program that is trying to, as we've talked about, empower these individuals, make them feel a lot more um, aware within themselves and accepting reality of where they're at and certainly providing positive tools and steps towards, you know, um, achieving more in in themselves in life. and uh, that's why I think the article that was written about me back in 2012, which was a national article, I conquered. The definition of conquered is, is, is perfect in the sense that it's aiming for management. Um, this is not about eradicating Asperger's or, or uh, curing autism. This is about let's work on your struggles and your challenges to a level that's manageable so that you can get on with life, so that you can go forward and you can achieve more than what you were before because you've had the training and that's why I am called time to train because you know we do operate on time and some things happen quicker and in time and other things takes a lot longer in time but as long as we're working forward and positive with with using our time uh, then we're absolutely going to achieve. Um, the number two, because it's one-on-one, and we know that one-on-one-based therapies uh, seem to have a lot more uh, improved outcome and result. Alrighty. So let's head to the five rapid-fire questions. Number one is, what is one habit that parents can implement today? One habit? Oh, um, I think I think definitely uh, just... Continual positive reinforcement with, uh, as my mother used to say, being fair, disciplined, um, always going through challenges and difficulties um, that lead toward a a more positive outcome. So um, I think, you know, today good effective parenting and in its approach is providing choice and options for sure, an A, B, possibly a C but also reinforcing that uh, if, we're, if we're just not following, that um, there will be no choice because um, this is a, you know, about helping parents to also stand their ground. So I think a great habit is to get into the, the, the mindset of recognising your, your child's behaviour if it's, if it's uh, not so positive or they're acting out or behaving, mis- misbehaving or whatever it may be. Certainly recognise that, take a bit of assertiveness and validate that as well but also provide, get to the crux of it with providing some, some good, uh, you know, effective options um, that to, to try to calm and help reduce their anxiety and then just steer them back onto a more positive path. That is a, is a whole habit. Um, it's a hard one, but a, a very uh, positive one that I encourage, absolutely. Awesome. Number two, what do people never ask you that you wish they did? Never ask me. Uh, that's a really good question. Never ask me. Um, yeah, more just on how I did it. Um, I keep getting told, look, yeah, I would never have picked that you even had Asperger's or you had anything uh, there to begin with. And so it'd be really worthwhile if people just ask the question, you know, what was it that you did? Um, and uh, just to, to really listen and learn from everything that I'm saying and providing out there strategy-wise because uh, I know that my journey um, has surpassed a lot of those that are out there and claiming that they're quite successful, but then uh, they're still struggling behind the scenes um, or, or maybe taking antidepressants or something like that, whereas I, I know I could have certainly gone down that road myself of still seeking um, medical support or psychological support or whatever or taking medication, but I'm not doing any of those things and I've, I, I really would just 
wish that people would you know, come up to me and you know be asking more about you know those sorts of strategies that um, that uh, you know, really are successful and, and can work. Mm. Yeah. Awesome. Number three, what book would you recommend all parents read? Oh, that's a that, that is a good one. Um, I'm currently still reading through the twelve the twelve rules of life by Dr. Jordan Peterson, where each chapter is a life lesson to take away and just learn a bit more about you know, the, the purpose of life and its meaning and and taking responsibility and um, you know your own growth and and journey, I suppose, towards uh, you know being functional, independent, efficient, sufficient, um, connecting more. Uh, having a good balanced understanding of the world. Um, so that's a really good book. Um, but there's so many books out there. Um, I think you just got to pick up one that you feel connects with you. And if you're taking something away that's positive and you can use it to help either support yourself as a parent or your loved one, fantastic. There's so many great books out there. So just just start with one and, and go from there. That's it. Yeah. I know the library just keeps expanding, doesn't it? There's just so much information. Same, there. and there's a lot that's the same, but it's a different title on the front. So that's it. Yeah. <laughs> Been right. for a long time. <laughs> Number four. What is one of your top unfinished bucket list items? Oh, uh, you know, I think I joke now these days and say the only thing left is really to basically own my own house and to certainly be married and have children. Um, yeah, those would be pretty incredible. Uh, I have skydived. I've done lots of adventurous things in my life. I've lived the life of perhaps 10 people rolled into one. Uh, so I shared that one with, with my mother in particular. She's lived the life herself. Um, so, yeah, those would be some pretty milestone bucket list things to, to, to achieve. Um, certainly maybe travel around the world uh, even more, which would be fantastic. Maybe learn a, another language fluently. That would be awesome. Um, and, yeah, I think just... You know, seeing a health and well-being facility or centre that's uh, that's you know time to train, that's you know one-stop uh, shop hub there to to help uh, communities and um, something like that would be an incredible thing to achieve. So I keep aiming for it. Yeah, mm, absolutely. <laughs> Number five, if you could only offer one piece of advice to parents, what would it be? One piece of advice. Oh, that's so easy. Never give up. Just don't ever give up and. Think that the journey is lost or that uh, it's the end. Uh, keep persevering, keep pushing, keep practicing, keep learning, keep researching, keep staying motivated, keep being proud of your loved one, keep uh, loving them unconditionally no matter what, but absolutely know when to set it straight, when to give them reality check and uh, keep striving towards helping them to achieve uh, a lot more in their own life so that they can live, grow and hopefully have a uh, a pretty achieving successful life themselves and that's got to come down with a, uh, a never give up type attitude simple mm. lovely i love that i <laughs> <laughs> <That> was powerful <laughs> simple and easy um and it comes from my favorite song never going to give you up by rick astley never going to give you up let you down uh it's it's just something in life that if you want to achieve you just can't ever stop trying and, and giving up so perseverance and motivation mm -hmm. that's the key great and so if people wanting to connect with you what's the best way yep uh they can eat they can check me out on uh social media facebook just time to train or they can check out the website time to train asperger's.com um and all the information there about what i do where i am all that sort of stuff is there pretty easy um but it's the number two people still think it's to uh and that's it yeah, very simple. So, yep, you just have to type in time to train into Google now and uh, it's it's all there. So it's pretty easy to find and access. So that's easy. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Jeremy. My pleasure. For thank you so much, Rihanna, for having me. I do apologise with the connection difficulties and stuff, but thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Ah, fabulous. Thank you. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in today. I really hope that parts of the episode resonated with you, but more importantly, I hope that you feel inspired to take action from home base. If there is someone who you know who would benefit from this podcast, please share it with them. Now, I love connecting with you all, so if you head on over to Facebook and Instagram, you can find me there. All you have to do is search Home Base Hope. Now, if you subscribe to this podcast by heading to iTunes and hitting the subscribe button, 
Every fortnight, you will get an instant notification of the latest interview. And if you do love the show, then please leave a five-star review because this will help more people discover us and it will help us inspire more positive change in people living on the spectrum. So until next time, I encourage you to open your mind, respect the differences, and above all, believe that you can make a difference from home base. See you soon, guys. This has been a production of TheWellnessCouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on Facebook.com forward slash TheWellnessCouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.